Shalom Aleichem, on behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to Take 10 for Talmud. Babakama daf kuf yud beiz, Babakama 112b, pagination is 224. We have a principle in Jewish law that a person who is a judge has to make sure to treat both litigants equally and righteously so that the judgment should emerge as a truthful judgment. This is a Gemara in Sanhedrin of Zion Amid Beis, Ushafatetem Tzedek, they shall judge with righteousness. And the law also associated with the Pasuk Betzedek Tishpot Ami Secha, you shall judge your fellow with righteousness is brought in Choshen Mishpat Simen Yud Zayin, that there's an obligation of Hashvoya Shnei Ba'alei Dinim Bechol to equate the two litigants in every way, not to treat one in a way that's better than the other, not to show preferential t- treatment. Now, in Sif Hei, the judge is not allowed to hear the arguments of one of the litigants when it's not in front of the other litigant. And there are a number of reasons that are given for that. The Chavetz Chaim discusses this in Hilchas Lashon Hara. Sometimes something is not tzedek, it's not going to be righteous, because things aren't clear. If you don't have the other person's response, then you start formulating your own opinion, and it becomes a reality. And you don't immediately have that other person's response to mitigate the claim. Likewise, many people will be able to claim things that are slightly different than the way they would claim it in front of the other litigant, when they know they could they could be contradicted. And they kind of soften their claim to be closer to the perceptions of the other person. The Arach HaShulchan in Chaf Ches Chaf quotes in the name of the Lavush that when you have both litigants there in front of you, Yosimu Yoser Libam Laemes. It's an impetus for the judge to search out the truth in a very tangible way. As much as everybody wants to seek the truth, if you have the actual person in front of you and you understand that they're going to take a loss if you judge against them and they have claims, it changes the entire picture that as much as we want to wish that it's not like that, but that's the way it is. If the person's in front of you, it changes things. They say, for example, with an aguna, Rahmana Litzlan, the woman doesn't know if her husband is dead and she can't remarry until we can clarify it. So sometimes having the woman make her claim, her appeal to the judges changes things, not because she can change the halacha, 
but because the expression is her tears can be an impetus to search harder for evidence, for clarification, to try to get her an answer in order that she could rebuild her life. And so too over here, if the other litigant is there, it's an impetus for us to go that extra to seek the truth, even though, again, of course, we're obligated to seek the truth, but that's the fact. If he's there, it's different. Now, this concept that the litigant has to be there in order for us to proceed is linked to a posuk that's mentioned on today's daf. If you count up from the wide lines, uh, six lines, Omar Kra, the Pasuk says, When the Bezdin wants to issue a ruling against an ox for doing damage, <clears throat> the ruling is given in the presence of its owner. The owner of the ox has to be there with the ox, and that's how we do the judgment. The person has to be there for all of the reasons, the ramifications of his being there. Now, in halacha, it's brought that a judge should not hear the claim of one of the litigants not in front of the other litigant because we're worried his perception will be tainted. However, if he makes it clear to the other litigant, I already heard such and such. If you want me to be a judge, you can choose me as a judge, but uh, there would be grounds not to. If the person still wants him as a judge, then that is permitted because he accepted it. We have that often in a smaller type community where one litigant, before anything really emerges as a claim, discusses his concern with one of the rabbinic authorities. So that would, on a simple level, disqualify that rabbinic authority to be on the case. However, sometimes the other litigant says, I'd still rather him serve on the case because he's local and he'll be thorough or whatever his reasons are. And it is something that the person can accept. Now, there are exceptions to this rule that everything has to be done in front of the litigant. And that's the Gemara that I want to focus on. If you'll start from the top of the page and go down about a quarter of the way down, the middle of the line, Amaravashi, Amarav Shivsa'i, and now the beginning of a line, Mekablam Edim Shalobifne Baaldin. You're allowed to accept the witnesses not in front of the litigant. That means Bezdin can call in the witnesses hear their testimony, cross-examine them, even though the litigant is not there, which is very odd, because all of what we've said is that we want that person there so that whoever's speaking against him should, first of all, 
be on notice that he's listening. And secondly, that Bezdin should make sure to cross-examine properly the litigant in front of us will be an impetus. Why would it be that we can accept witnesses Shalobifne Baldin, not in front of the litigant? Taiba Rabbi Yechinan. Rabbi Yechinan was in wonderment. What kind of ruling is that? Could you really do such a thing? Kibla Mine Rabbi Yosib Rabbi Chanino. Rabbi Yosib Chanino explained Kigon Shahayahu Chola O Edav Cholim. One of the people is sick. The witnesses are sick. The witnesses want to leave to a faraway country and we're afraid if we don't do the court case now, we're going to miss the opportunity to dispense justice. And they sent the message to this litigant, he didn't come. So that the entire case over here of accepting witnesses not in front of the litigant was a case where he was given a chance. He was given an invitation to come. He chose not to come. And Bezdin, in these particular cases, because the need is pressing, is allowed to move forward on the court case despite his absence. It is interesting to note that there are other exceptions to the concept of everything done in front of the litigant. And those are brought in this topic, which comes up in Simon Yud Zayin and Chav Ches in Choshen Mishpat, where sometimes the litigant is a very tough person and people are afraid to say testimony in his presence. An example is given of katata, a raging argument in town. And no one wants to talk in front of the Ba'alei Din, but Bezdin has the opportunity to achieve clarity on the topic if they're willing to do it, of not in front of the person. And in such cases, there is a dispensation, a concept that in good judgment, the Bezdin can choose to cross-examine the witnesses separately because that's the only way that they they feel they could achieve the truth. Ultimately, the goal here is to achieve the truth and to be aware of the pitfalls of the technique. Aruch HaShulchan brings from the Rivash, I believe, that he would first ask the witnesses to say what they have to say, like a preliminary hearing, and he would hear what they have to say, and then he would have them say it in front of the litigant, because it was a case where he was afraid they would chicken out, so to speak, and once they already said what they said, they would be embarrassed to reverse and therefore they would say what they have to say and they would stand up even to this tough guy. Of course, Bezdin has to know whether this is increasing the truth of the case or weakening the truth of the case. Is the busha that they're having from the litigant going to bring about the truth or it's going to restrain the truth? 
And as necessary, Bezdin does have a certain amount of liberty over here to apply this approach as they feel is necessary for the particular case. Yashikoach, thank you for joining.